We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Harley Copen, a league champion in the FFPC main event, Football Guys Players Championship, and FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Leagues. This year, he has teams both in contention for the $250,000 main event grand prize, as well as the $25,000 first place prize in the FFPC Terminator Tournament. His career winnings in the FFPC total more than $20,000. In this episode, we break down the changing backfield situations in Kansas City and Pittsburgh, as well as whether it's time to bench Aaron Rodgers. Plus, Copen gives his dynasty assessments on A.J. Green, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, and more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here's $20,000 FFPC High Stakes winner, Harley Copen. 
joining me on the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week is one Harley Copen, an, an FFPC veteran, a high stakes fantasy football hour veteran, a veteran uh, of, of, of the um, the main event, the Football Guys Players Championship, the uh, Terminator Tournament, a lot of stuff. And uh, we're coming up on the three most exciting weeks of fantasy football. Excited to talk to you about this tonight, man. Uh, thanks for joining me, first of all. Thank you for having me, Eric. It's a, it's great to be here. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. We're going to get into the fantasy football stuff shortly. Before we do that, can you tell the listeners what you do when you're not playing fantasy football? Sure. Um, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I am a in a movie agent. I sell screenplays and uh, represent movie directors. Um, I've been doing that about 15 years, um, and it's a it's a super fun job um that i'm you know very lucky to have found my way into so i'm I'm curious on this with with this type of job has have there been any screenplays that that have turned into okay this was green lighted this they they shot this they filmed this they produced this have there been any big hits that we would be familiar with that we would not be enjoying without one harley copen uh i would say that the movie that i you know it's a little like choosing your kids and there are movies that are really bad movies that I helped get made, but not would not have gotten made without me. There are really good movies that got made. The one that I definitely really put blood, sweat and tears into. And I worked on for about 10 years was the revenant. Oh yeah. Um, And that was one that I, I was involved from the beginning from, you know, somebody had sent the book and I, I had represented the writer at the time um and yeah that was one spent many many years on so um i'm curious with that one um i I know you were you were sort of like you got the ball rolling on it were you ever at any point on the set when they were shooting that at all no i was not and and you were probably thankful for that right yes (laughs) my understanding of the uh between the the cold and the uh the animals that would not have been a good place for me considering it's (laughs) It's 50 and it's rainy in L.A. today, and I've been complaining. I would not have done well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, that's good stuff, man. Oh, I, I, well, listen, I, as a fan of that movie, I will thank you because I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, uh, Leo DiCaprio gets the, the his, his first Best Actor Oscar. So really, DiCaprio owes a, a good portion of his career to you. You know, I I don't know if he would feel that way, but uh, sure. <laughs> That's the way we're gonna sell it. That's the way yeah, we're gonna exactly. sell it on the on the lowdown this week. I appreciate yeah. uh, I appreciate that insight. Well, listen, uh, let's get into uh, to the the uh, fantasy football portion of the podcast. Uh, Twenty eighteen FFPC Terminator Tournament. You're in the top sixty right now. For anybody who's not familiar with this, um, this is a twenty six round best ball league where you have to lop off one player per week until you get to the final week of the season and, and you have uh, 10 players left, just enough to for, for a starting lineup. So I'm curious, um, as you look at your squad, and I'm not sure, I don't even know the answer to this question, have you dropped any player off this roster yet this week? I know you're already down to one quarterback, you're down to one tight end, you're down to one kicker. You probably want to keep those guys around for the remainder of the season. Who are, who's has there been a, a, a player that has stepped to the forefront that you know you're going to drop, or is this a tough decision for you this week? This is the first week. It's actually been so. I, I this is the I, this is the second time I've done the tournament, and it's the first time I've made it to as you know to the playoffs and everything. Right. Um, 
I, this is the first week, every other week, I've basically known instantly, like, I've cut the guy, like, Tuesday morning. Um, I, you know, between injuries or whatever, I knew instantly who I was cutting. This is the first week where I really don't know. Um, I've basically, I've got two defenses, neither of which are great defenses. I have the Falcons and I have the Chiefs. And then I have um, on Johnson. And I think... I'm going to try to wait till the last minute to find out about Johnson's injury. I mean, if he's not going to play this week, I probably will feel like I have to cut him. I Because neither of those defenses are all that great, I basically just, you know, hope that one of them would have a, you know, turnover touchdown or something. Um, so I, I And I don't really have a feel of which one of them I prefer to the other. Um but I, I also kind of have this feeling that Johnson might be really good down the stretch. So I don't really want to let him go. Um, but I, but if he's hurt, I'm going to have to. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not like Detroit is playing for, you know, a, a, a anything really this season. It's it's kind of, you know, they're in the NFC North and the Bears are running away from that. Uh, running away at that division, Minnesota looks to be in the wild card hunt. But outside of that... Uh, I, I think Detroit's got to be looking to 2019, and they don't want to jeopardize on Johnson. So that actually makes some sense uh, with uh, with your decision there with that line. Let's keep the conversation on another line who also happens to be on your Terminator team. Now, this is not – in the Terminator tournament, you don't pick who you start. It's just it's, – it's simply best ball. It's optimal lineup after the, after the week's over. You don't have to worry about it. For anybody who is considering Kenny Galladay going forward – no Golden Tate, no Marvin Jones Jr. It's it's Galladay. He's the number one receiver in Detroit. The last two weeks, he hasn't performed up to the level that I think a lot of Galladay owners would like to see. Are you nervous about starting him if you did own him in a league going forward, um, where you have where you have to submit lineups? Are you nervous about starting Galladay in that in that format? So I actually own him in a number of leagues, and I, I here's my feeling on Galladay. I was very into him before the season I think he's you know he's a really you know like a physical specimen type receiver he's also a very young receiver and I don't think he's sort of he's not a matchup proof guy you know he's a it's very conditional on who he's playing against and I I do think you know the last month or so he's struggled but if you look in there um you know he played the Bears once he played the Vikings once um he played the Bears another time and actually played pretty well. But I've sort of chalked it up to the guy has had some tough matchups. And as a young receiver who's still coming into his own, he's going to be good against teams that have bad defenses, and he's going to struggle against teams that know how to scheme against him. Um, I also don't really, you know, I don't know how many better options there are. You know, if you if you have him and, you're, and you've got this far and you're getting into the playoffs – um, sure, if he's your fifth receiver, y- you know, you can make that decision. But I-, I would feel, given the volume, given that Stafford is usually, you know, you know, worst case scenario, Stafford's going to throw for 250 every week. I, I you know, I- it's hard for me to feel that there's too many much better options that you're likely to have on a roster. Now, you bring up a great point because um, you didn't have to draft Kenny Galladay in like the fifth or sixth round to get him. I mean, you could have gotten him later. So chances are there are a good number of teams, especially loaded teams, that are playing in the playoffs right now in the main event, in the Football Guys Players Championship, that probably have Galladay as their number four or five receiver. Here's my concern, and here's why I bring it up. 
Um, you're to- first of all, you're, number- you're totally right on the volume. I, I think he's going to see a lot of targets. My concern is this. This Sunday, he gets Patrick Peterson. The, mm-hmm. the Sunday after that, he gets Tredavious White. The Sunday after that, in week 16, he's hosting probably Xavier Rhodes. So I would imagine that he is going to get shadow coverage from all three of those corners. And, and this is what it comes down to. Because if, if you made it this far with Galladay as your, you know, as like a fringe flex guy, because you've had these elite guys ahead of him, uh, because that's how you drafted, are you going to feel comfortable starting Galladay against these corners with everything on the line? And I feel like the obvious answer without looking at the schedules, well, Galladay's got to be in there. He's such a pick to win type guy. He's, he's the type of guy that can really get, you know, blow up and, and help you win a six figure prize. I'm just worried about that on the surface, that might be true. But as you look a little bit deeper, maybe that you might have some better options, especially yeah, like, like I, just to throw out a name that is probably like a hot name right now. But like, if I had Zy Jones, yeah. Zay Jones, like, yep. like that's an example where I'd probably say, you know what, given the matchups, given how hot he is right now, I might prefer to play him over Galladay. I wouldn't, you know, with a guy who's like a total stab in the dark, I wouldn't do it. But if somebody's had, you know, two or three good weeks in a row, and I really felt like I was, and especially if I felt like I was an underdog in a game, I'd probably take a stab at somebody who's got a little bit more upside. Yeah, no, I I think Zay Jones is interesting too because I mean, well, the Bills basically cut every other receiver they had this week. Yeah, now, now it's just Zay Jones and a and a bunch of other bodies. And Zay Jones is coming on. This is a guy that, like, when we talk of like, um, you know, you play Dynasty. I mean, this is a guy that was probably rated pretty high. Um, when, you know, before the draft and he ended up in Buffalo and obviously he's had some off the field stuff, but the metrics are never really in question and he's putting up numbers. Now he's getting in the end zone. I think that makes sense. It seems weird to put him into your lineup in this three week championship sprint, but it might pay off and, and t- time will tell on that, but you bring up a good name in Zay Jones for sure. Um, a lot of nonsense, well, not nonsense, but a lot of crazy stuff going on in the Kansas City backfield. Now, we know Kareem Hunt's out of the picture, but after that, I mean, who knows? You have you have Spencer Ware, who um, looked all right last week. I wouldn't say he looked like the, the Spencer Ware that, that we were super excited about um, be, before the dawn of Kareem Hunt. Uh, and then you also have Damian Williams, who we know can catch passes, but the, the Chiefs still went out inside Cherkandrick West, a guy that um, is familiar with their offense, a guy who's had some pretty big games there. Now, are you looking at this situation? Because Andy Reid typically has not gone RBBC in the past. But uh, with West, Williams, where I'm not sure if, if he feels super confident in any one of those guys to carry the load. How do you view Spencer Ware? Is he a top 15 running back or is he simply the lead guy in a committee now? So so I was looking at the stats on this because I, I was in, in a debate in, my, in one of my leagues about this. So, you know, the Kareem Hunt thing, that's fascinating is Kareem Hunt had seven rushing touchdowns this year and Kareem Hunt had seven receiving touchdowns. So the, a lot of the Kareem Hunt success has come from the fact that they are just an offensive juggernaut, but also that they throw the ball to him an absolute ton. And I think everybody, you know, everybody suddenly, you know, it was such a wild card last week, given the timing of when, you know, Hunt was released and given you know, where a lot of trade deadlines have already passed and people, you know, sort of there's a there's a number of teams where Spencer Ware was just like somebody's kick that they just hadn't bothered to cut yet, who suddenly emerged and looked like he was going to be this top 15 option. 
I don't see it personally. Um, I don't think – I know he's he's not bad catching the ball, but I, I just don't feel he's the dynamic, like really like a receipt, an additional receiver, like what Hunt was, that they're looking for in this offense, in the version of this offense. I, I actually think West is the guy that I'd be – like I could see the most potential with. But I, I – I sort of think it's going to be a, a, a committee and I don't really have a feel. And I, I mean, I thought everybody suddenly was talking about Spencer Ware as like this top 10 option. And I, I, you know, I don't, I just didn't see it. I don't see the explosiveness there. Um, you know, he'll probably get, you know, a couple goal line carries a game just by virtue of the fact of how good they are on offense. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not confident to put him in my lineup over, you know, other options that have been safer. Uh, so uh, for, for West, uh, for, uh, first of all, it sounds like you're not, not uh, Damian Williams is just a guy. You're not excited about him at all. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I got to see something before I'm ready to, you know, I, I didn't see enough to feel like he, I'm confident in him. Okay. So if you have West and if you have where, are you kind of looking for another option at flex for week 14 just to see how this situation sorts itself out for the remaining two weeks is that how you're looking at it right now yeah i mean i just feel like you you're in the playoffs and you know i i certainly see that you know you want to take a shot you 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 know it's easy to pencil in you know hunt was getting 20 25 points a game in ppr you know one of these guys if they get the 18 that's great i just i would rather let it sort itself out a little bit first. And I'd rather like let, you know, let, let me get a little bit more information. I mean, this isn't a situation like San Diego or like Pittsburgh where, you know, the guy's going to come back in the week. So you really have like one week to try and get something out of it. I'd like to have week 14 to see what they do and make my decisions from there. Harley, you brought it up. Let's, let's shift over to Pittsburgh from Kansas city. Um, talk about this James James Conner thing. Number one, um, how long do you think he's out? Do you think he's back week 15? And then as far as week 14 goes, when Pittsburgh travels west to play the Raiders, how do you see the touches in the backfield getting diffied up between Jalen Samuels, Devon Ridley, and Trey Edmonds? I think that, I mean, the Steelers are going to be, I think the Steelers are going to be cautious. I think that their playoff positioning I have to look at the exact records, but I think, you know, that San Diego loss um, and, the, you know, the Chiefs and the Patriots are, are ahead of them. I, I don't know that they could catch those guys. And I think they're going to be careful with Connor. So I do think there's a situation here where, you know, today I was reading that it sounded like it was more of like a, a you know, they went back and forth, whether it was a bruise, whether it was a sprain. Um I, you know, I have a good friend who's a Steelers fan who says that Ridley's the goal line guy. Samuels will be like the receiving option. And, you know, they'll figure out Edmonds if he's got a hot hand. Um, But I I do think this is a situation that, like, they will use a committee. um, And really, you know, there won't be a lot of clarity on it. uh, I'm curious, as, as we move to Cincinnati, same division. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and also shift this from a redraft conversation, Harley, to a dynasty conversation because you play in a lot of high-stakes dynasty leagues. 
with the FFPC. AJ Green, this is an interesting guy because he turns 31 coming uh, this coming summer, uh, 2019. 2016 and 2018, he finishes the season on injured reserve. He's going to be a free agent. I don't know what the Bengals are going to do. I don't know if they're going to to pay him or if he's going to test the waters and sign somewhere else. Whatever it is, be that as it may, what are you doing if you own him? I don't even know if you own him in any dynasty leagues. Uh, what are you doing if you own him? Are you shopping him around? Uh, are you seeing what you can get for him uh, when the season ends? Or is this a buying opportunity for A.J. Green? How are you handling him in dynasty right now? So um, I've been doing Dynasty a couple years. I by no means consider myself an expert, but I, I try to listen and, and get advice where I can. And one of the the better pieces of advice that I learned that I, I learned in the last year or two is is basically it's always better to be a year early than a year late. Um, I worry we're already maybe a year late. I, I have I have Green I think in one league. I worry we're right on the border of that year late. Um, I, I don't like the sort of multiple leg injuries. Um, you know, it's not like he had, you know, a hand injury or a shoulder. You know, it's like it, you're starting to see this stuff pile up. Um, I, I know he's been a fairly durable guy before the last couple of years, but just body type wise, he always struck me as kind of kind of thin and kind of, you know, like he's a guy whenever I have him. I always worry when he gets like a hard hit that he's not going to get up right away. Um, I I would be moving him. I would think that if I could get something like like Christian Kirk, um, you know, somebody and like some kind of draft upgrade, I would want to do that. I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty, not only about the injuries, uh, you know, that team, you know. With Dalton Hurt, with you know, I hear there's potential coaching change. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot that can happen. You know, the other side of that though is, you know, could AJ Green get signed by Green Bay or by you know the Colts or somebody where you know because he is a free agent after next year, could he end up on a team where there's a real boost and you know he suddenly feels like okay he's finally going to have that top five quarterback that he's never really had throughout his career and could have like one more really great run in him. I, yeah, but I just, you know, I, I'm a Packers fan and I just thought about that Aaron Rodgers throwing to Devonte Adams and AJ green. And I spaced out a little bit for the <laughs> like, Oh man, that'd, that'd be so great if that happens. But yeah, I mean, you're right. And it's, and, and that, and this is part of the, this is part of the thing with dynasty that the trick is, is to how to finesse this and, and how to be, you know, Strike while the iron's hot. Buy, you know, buy them low, and then be able to flip him for for something uh, of value. And I'm with you on on the whole wanting. To, I, I'd rather be a year early than than a year late. And I feel like sometimes in my dynasty leagues, I will try to, especially a receiver, once they get to that that 30, 30, age 31, age 30 season. That's when I try to see what I can get for him. But then if I can't, if I, if I, if nobody's giving me anything for him. Then I feel like, okay, it, nobody values this guy the way I value him. Now I'm going to be the bag holder. Now I'm going to be yeah. the guy that, that just you know holds him until he retires, until he gets cut, until he can't get a, get a deal anymore, essentially. Um, and I feel like that's like I'll flip the script depending upon how the rest of my owners in my league value a guy. That, that, I, I agree with that completely because the, the guy that I also have that is similar, although even more injury history, is Gronkowski. 
And I felt like I tried to shop him a little bit. And all I was getting was like second round picks. Yep. And I just felt like, you know what? Like he is still one player that when he's right, can absolutely win a game for you by himself. And I just was like, why do I want to trade a guy for a second round pick? You know, it's just not worth it. I'd rather just play him out. And sure, there's the potential that he could just retire, you know, at any point or, you know, his injury history could catch up to him. But like, it's not worth it for a minor draft pick that, I, you know, my odds of hitting are, you know, maybe 25% at best. Yeah, no, I'm with you on Gronk. I actually own him in one dynasty league and I actually tried to shop him around and I similar, similar to you. I just could not get anything but that I felt like, okay, this is a Hall of Fame tight end in his, you know, still is like mid to late 20s. I feel like I should get uh, at least a first round pick for him. And I'll try again this offseason to see what I can do. You know, once, once, you know, especially if he finishes the season strong, that'd be great. But I'm with you on Gronk. I'm trying to flip him. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Leonard Fournette is another guy. I actually, um, I, I joined a dynasty league this year. I took over for an owner who had left the league and Fournette uh, was, um, there was a dispersal draft because there was two teams that left and me and another owner took over and Fournette was a guy I think I took with the second pick, you know, as we flip back and forth and Fournette obviously got off to that hot start, but then he had the ankle issues and the, and the leg issues and everything. And, and I was like, okay, I, I can't take this anymore. I'm not competing this year. Um, what I need to do is wait till Fournette has a good game and then I'll trade him for some picks and, and sort of rebuild that way because I, I can't I can't deal with this, you know, he's got an ankle issue, he's got a leg issue, he's suspended, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. Well, then he came back and he had a great game, but then here's the problem. I was actually in contention and, and, uh, and, and I was like, well, I don't want to flip him now because I can actually do some damage here. And then sure enough, I ended up sneaking into the playoffs as the, as the, as the six seed or whatever. And now I have to, I have, I'm trying to ride Leonard Fournette to, for, to a title, but he's a guy I will hardly look to trade in the off season, depending upon what I can get for him. He's another guy I hope finishes strong because I can't, and I don't know how you feel about Fournette and dynasty, but just, I don't see these injuries just all of a sudden disappearing from, from his. No, he had him in college. I, I don't have him. I don't have any him anywhere. Uh, he had these same injuries in college. He was a guy that I, I, I tend to rather find, find running backs that emerge versus draft, you know, running backs with that kind of draft pedigree. I mean, sure. If I have like the one, one and I, I could get Barkley great, but for the most part, I haven't had guys like Fournette, and I, I think that they're 
yeah, like he has a grinding, heavy kind of style. And I think that's always going to have these like, you know, it's hard to have lineups where, you, you know, the guy's questionable for four weeks. Harley, let, let's shift back to uh, to to the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event, as the three-week championship sprint that begins this week will determine who gets the six-figure grand prizes and be millions of dollars in prizes awarded uh, over the you know after week 16. So basically, whatever you do these next three three weeks are are massively amplified, and a lot of the teams that are still competing have very loaded lineups. They drafted well. They were good on the waiver wire, what have you. Uh, they, they deserve to be here, and, and they, they have the players that represent that. If Tampa decides that they are going to IR Deshaun Jackson or simply make him a healthy scratch uh, to get um, Jameis Winston some reps with some of the younger receivers they have there, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, are these guys that you can look at as flex options the rest of the way um, or are, do they just not have what it takes to, to, to get you that variability or the variance to, to get you a, a massive score on a weekly basis? How do you fall in line with, with Godwin and Humphreys? So I think if you're talking about trying to win one of these championships, which really requires having, having that variance, having that guy that can have a 25-point game, I, I think Godwin can do that for sure. I don't think Humphreys can do that. Humphreys is a, you know, Humphreys is a great flex option if you are playing in a head-to-head matchup and you and a guy is hurt and you need to plug someone in who you hope can get you, you know, six for 60 and maybe a touchdown every other week. Um, and I know he's had a couple good weeks in a row, but God, Godwin, I think, is for real. Um, I had a, uh, I was watching football this Sunday and I had a, uh, a particular hot take where I was telling my the guy I was watching with that I thought Godwin was actually better than Evans. Um, he just didn't get the targets yet. Um, I think Godwin can totally win a game. I think t- Godwin has 25-point upside. I think he's a he can stretch the field. He's good after the catch. Like Godwin is definitely a guy, if they IR Deshaun, that I would – you know, to go back to your question about Galladay, like I would probably play Godwin over Galladay um, if Jackson was ruled out. This is interesting because, well, I know I wanted to shift back to redraft. Now I'm going to shift back to Dynasty. Um, we Mike Evans got signed to that longest extension uh, in Tampa. We know that he's a big part of their future plans there. Deshaun Jackson, it sounds like uh, it's entirely possible he's played his last down in Tampa. He, he's probably not coming back. Uh, after this season so you would assume that Chris Godwin would be the number two receiver uh, and I know it's we, we kind of don't really know who the quarterback in Tampa is going to be next year if it's going to be you know Winston Fitzpatrick or, or somebody else but given the defense uh, that's down there and and how it allows uh, a lot of big plays and 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 um, their team often finds itself in shootouts as far as Godwin for a dynasty receiver is this a guy that you'd be looking at buying um, you know, would you put put it this way? Would you part with a late first round or early second round pick for Chris Godwin uh, in the off season right now? I think early second is the right number. Um, I think that he's, I think he's really good. <laughs> I, I'm a little biased. I once saw him in college, and he was like the best player on the field. Um, I think he's definitely worth buying. I think the challenge is that he's a guy that I think that the people who have him kind of know what they have um and so even though you know sometimes when you look at that like oh the market value is he should go for this the people that already own him have kind of been in on him already 
and don't seem to be ready to sell because they sort of see some of the same stuff you'd, you're mentioning. Um, I think I read a stat that going into this weekend, the Tampa Bay combined quarterbacks were on pace. Like if, if Fitzpatrick and Winston were one quarterback, they were on pace to break the single season yardage mark. <laughs> uh, and I just, I think Godwin is, yeah. I mean, Godwin is one of those guys, like when you go going back to talking about, you know, shopping AJ Green, if I could get somebody to give me Godwin plus for AJ Green, I think that's a, that's a good deal. Yeah, no, I, I that's a perfect way to get younger and, and you're not sacrificing a, a ton of talent as far as um, what the drop-off is going to be over the next year or two. I think that is a, a strong move for, uh, for dynasty owners to make in the off season. Many- Particularly given that a lot of times, especially when there's that other guy like Evans, right. and the perception is he's always going to be the number two. And I mean, a, a guy that I got a bunch of this past season was Juju because everybody's like, oh, Antonio Brown dominates the targets. He's this. And then so Juju was like, even though he had a great rookie season, people didn't feel like could he really make that leap to be, you know, what like Reggie Wayne was to Marvin Harrison. And I think Godwin has some of that upside. And, and I'll tell you this, uh, Harley, that you are not the first person that I've heard say that I know you said it was a hot take or whatever, but I, there's people out there that honestly believe that, they, no, Chris Godwin is going to be the better receiver long term in Tampa over Mike Evans, despite what Tampa's paying Evans. And my question is, uh, and this is more a rhetorical thing, but if Godwin, if he blows up next year and he's awesome, and Deshaun Jackson is gone, and Mike Evans is is you know he's Mike Evans. How do you, if you're Tampa, I don't know if you can afford to soak that much money into two receivers, uh, both Evans and Godwin. And then what happens if Godwin moves on? Because somebody's going to pay him a boatload of money to be their number one. And then when he's free of Evans, he could really, really blow yeah. up. Yeah, I mean that that makes total sense. Uh, moving on, I, we've been talking receivers. Let's shift to tight ends because uh, it, it's been a you know, we've talked about on the on the lowdown on the HSFF hour all season long. Tight ends have just been, my God, if if they're not hurt, they're underperforming. If they're not underperforming, um, they're they're not getting targeted. You know, it's just it's been a wasteland. It's been awful. And now another one happens this past week. Greg Olson goes on IR with the foot issue. He's done for the year. Um, for anybody, because waivers are closed, you, you kind of kind of rely on whatever you had on your roster. And I think there's a lot of savvy fantasy owners out there that realize that if they had Greg Olson as their starter, they probably wanted to bank some depth behind him. If you had Austin Hooper at the Packers this week, if you had Vance McDonald at the Raiders in week 14, which one do you like better as far as uh, a better start this week? Is it Hooper? Is it McDonald this week only? I I think that the answer is McDonald. And it goes back to the earlier question about what are they going to do with the backfield? Um, I think that Pittsburgh may end up running a version, you know, Connor gets so many catches, uh, you know, those kind of short, you know, as Le'Veon Bell did before. I think a lot of that stuff may funnel into Vance McDonald. I don't know if Switzer is going to play because, you know, it looked like he got concussed last week. Um, I don't know exactly what his injury status is, but I could see just a lot of short, you know, almost like the extension of the running game going to Vance McDonald and going to, you know, those kind of short controlling the controlling the field passes to him. Um, Hooper to me feels like more of like the red zone threat that, you know, that Ryan looks to because God forbid you throw to Julio Jones in the red zone. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. 
so I would personally, especially in the FFPC format, I would personally lean towards McDonald because I think he could have, you know, and we've seen him have those like really blow up games before. I could see him having one of those games where he catches like, you know, he has like 10 targets as that like extension of the running game type uh, short passing option. Uh, big time uh, move as far as personnel goes in the uh, coaching world in the NFL this week. Mike McCarthy uh, gets the pink slip from the Packers. And uh, Joe Philbin, former uh, Dolphins head coach, former former Packers offensive coordinator and current offensive Packers coordinator, he takes over uh, the head coaching reigns in Green Bay. Do you expect any big changes uh, over the next three weeks with a new coach in charge as far as, you know, Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, uh, any of the rookie receivers? Are we going to see anything different than what we've seen over the course of the season? Or is it is it just going to be more of the same, hey, Aaron Jones isn't being used enough, Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem himself, uh, Jimmy Graham it looks washed up. Is there any difference uh, with the new head coaching change that you see going forward? So, Eric, you're, you're a Packers fan, so you probably will know better than me, and, and you may not like what my answer is going to be here. Uh, <laughs> I, at least I probably know. I, here's the thing. I probably know what you're going to say, and it's going to be difficult for me to disagree with it, but go ahead. So, so I feel like there's two types of coaching changes that happen in the NFL in season. There's the what essentially happened to Hugh Jackson, where the whole team hates the guy, and then they <laughs> fire him. And then immediately after, it just kind of go like there's like all the ship, you know, like everyone feels unleashed and the team starts playing much better. And then there's this sort of like sad breakup, like like where you're like a couple that's been fighting for a long time. And finally, they like split up and move out. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here with McCarthy. Like it's been expected for a while, but it's not like he was like hated by the team I think that they're just going to kind of circle and kind of play out. It it felt like a team, even the last two weeks, that's sort of just been playing out the season. I think that that's just going to continue. You know, from what I remember of Joe Philbin, especially the weird hard knocks season he was on, I I just don't feel like that's a guy that's going to come in and inspire all that much confidence. Uh, I I just see them kind of playing it out. I mean, if anything – you know, uh, I could see them meet. I, I mean, I don't know why they're, you know, Aaron Jones and Devante feel pretty safe to me. Um, I don't see them making any kind of changes or experiment in any way. And I think that Rogers is going to play it pretty safe and not, you know, try to not run a lot, you know, make sure he stays healthy and, you know, try to be involved in picking the next coach. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Jones and, and Adams are, are the plays going forward. I'd be still super ner- I know Jimmy Graham probably had his best game of the season last week as far as a volume standpoint goes. Um, I'd still be super nervous about starting him, even in an FFPC format. Uh, and Rodgers, too. I mean, like you know, the thing of it is, is, is uh, you know, he has been off. He has not put up the same numbers. Uh, he has uh, in his, you know, in his previous seasons in Green Bay, his his stats of, of throwing when he's under duress have been down. He's thrown the ball away a lot more than he has in, in, in previous years. So and with the how deep quarterback is, I, I think you can make a strong case for starting a lot of other guys, guys that you may have on your roster that you drafted as Rogers backup that you might be starting him over or starting over him right now. So I think you make a lot of sense there with with Jones and Adams still being the plays and, and not expecting a ton else 
uh, from I, the rest of the pack. I mean, it, it might be blasphemy, but if I had Josh Allen and I'm looking at, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think at week 15, he's got the Bears. I, I don't know, you know, there's a there's a case to be made given that Allen's getting, you know, like 90 yards a game rushing. Oh my God! I can't. I, I'm just my my mind is swimming right now with that. Like he's just. I mean, okay. So you have Aaron Rodgers at Chicago, Week 15, and I'm just looking at this right now. Josh Allen is home against Detroit. That that's. You I might, mean, you might have something there, my friend. Yeah. You might have something. Yeah. I here's it's, the thing. Here's the thing. I don't. I don't think I own Aaron Rodgers anywhere. Um, I, I always, you know, I always wait on quarterback, wait on quarterback, and I've been counting down the days or the years until people start finally giving up on Rodgers so I could start drafting him in like the ninth or 10th round. Um, so I don't have him anywhere, but man, if I did, that would be a compelling conversation. If, if I'm going for a grand prize, a $250,000 grand prize, am I going to trust Aaron Rodgers on the road in Soldier Field with the Bears having everything to play for? Um, with a good defense led by Vic Fangio, am I trusting him or am I trusting in what could be a free-for-all with Josh Allen running all over the place and maybe peppering Zay Jones with a few targets here and there and putting up a monster week 15? I don't know. It's it's crazy to think about, but I think this is this is the new normal. This is the situation we're in now. I know. It's amazing to think like how much it changes in a season. I, I, Harley, you have been very gracious with your time uh, this week uh, on the lowdown. I'd certainly appreciate you coming on. Last question before I let you go. Uh, I know when it comes to be this time of year, you're, you're playing your studs. Your roster's loaded. It, it's going to be very difficult for you to take a chance with no bye weeks on a guy that's maybe, you know, a, a fringe player on your roster. Uh, but if there are any sleepers out there, if there are any guys that you might consider starting this week as a dark horse, a guy who can really help you make up a lot of ground, uh, if you're if you're down on the main uh, main event leaderboard, the FPC leaderboard, is there a sleeper out there? And then conversely, a stud that a lot of people will probably play this week, but you think might be let down by his performance come uh, Monday night. Sure. So on the on the. The sleeper side, I mean, we talked about Jones, who I don't even, I mean, I think he's even maybe more than a sleeper at this point. Um, you know, the other guy that I, I know he's got a tough matchup this week, but, you know, Dante Pettis looked terrific last week. Um, and I think, you know, the one thing, you you know, no matter what, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to do a pretty good job of getting the offense moving. And, you know, they put up, you know, um, uh, mowing through for, you know, like nearly 400 yards against Seattle a couple of, I mean, like, I just, I think that there's a case to be made for a guy like that. Um, you know that San Francisco is going to get to move the ball and it's got to go to somebody. I know Goodwin may come back this week, but that's a guy that I would probably, you know, who's on a roster who I'd probably take a look at if I felt like I needed to catch up. And I, I didn't think a lot of other people would be playing him. And and is there any um, is there anybody out there that um, you know maybe an earlier on pick or a guy who's been crushing it all season that maybe doesn't have the greatest matchup in the world maybe he's dealing with uh, an injury or something or, or or maybe his his volume has gone down the last couple of weeks is there anybody like that that you might consider like hey wait a minute you might want to think twice before you put this guy in your starting lineup. So, the, the, you know, the, the guy that comes to mind, you know, look, there's people that I, you know, I, I think I think Todd Gurley's got a tough matchup this week. I'm not benching Todd Gurley. Right, yeah. Um, but there's, you know, the guy who, mur- who I, th- I was thinking about is T.Y. Hilton. 
Um, they're playing the Texans. Uh, the Texans have been on fire and have just been playing great on both sides of the ball for weeks. I know that earlier in the season, Indy, you know, got in a shootout with them and, and he had a Hilton had a big game. But um, there's this, this stat that I, I see cited a lot about how the second time teams play, um, you know, when it's interdivision, that it's always tends to be much more low scoring. And I think that Hilton's a guy I'd just be cautious about. And if I had one of these guys we're talking about, you know, the Jones or Pettis or somebody, I might feel like given matchups and given the chance, that's a guy I might be nervous about just plugging and playing. The lineup decisions are magnified immensely over the next three weeks. Hopefully, Harley and, and I helped you uh, sort through it a little bit tonight. Uh, listen, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot. You made me feel bad about, even worse about the Packers, which I appreciate and 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 anger me at the same time. Um, but no, listen, man, good luck the rest of the way in all your leagues. I, uh, I wish you uh, nothing but the best uh, uh, from your uh, from a professional standpoint. Keep churning out all the, the wonderful movies that you have been and, and making them happen. I appreciate you getting the ball rolling on all that. I love The Revenant. I love this podcast even more. Thanks so much. Eric, you'll, you'll be happy to hear they're talking about a Vince Lombardi movie. Oh, really? Has, has, yeah. So have there been uh, – has, has, has there been any um, – uh, directors or casting uh, attached to this at, at all, or is it still in the preliminary stages? Very early stages. I think they were talking for a second about Tom Cruise, but I don't know if that's real. Um, oh, man. As Lombardi? I, I think so. I think it's like him when he's young. I don't know that much about it, other than they were just talking about it out there, but I don't know. You know, I don't I don't think it's like, you know, coming next year or anything but there there has been discussion this is this is uh my world has it, it has totally changed within the last 15 seconds this is great i can't <laughs> wait i can't wait i'll be following you uh for all the updates on this this is great yeah. good, good i have with, nothing to do with that one but i, I thought that listen, would make listen, your, you know that's you, something that you can look forward to as a packer you team. may not be peddling this one but uh, I'm sure you will have more insight and more knowledge on this than anybody else I know. So, so, so I will, uh, I'll, I'll follow up with you uh, over the next uh, a few months or years or what, what, what have you, and, and see what's going on with that. Good luck in week 14, dude. Thanks for doing the show, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. 
It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.